Hi, everybody. Thanks for sitting down with me today to listen to this podcast. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. You can contact me at tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. And what is today's story from behind the mic? Well, we're going to talk about support, and we're going to talk about it from lack of support, really. So hang on to find out where this is going. USPAP uses the word unsupported 15 times. That means USPAP expects the appraiser to summarize in the report the support for the opinions, conclusions, statements of fact, and to contain the bases for that support in the work file. That's the support we're talking about. So let's take a look at one of USPAP's requirements for support. It says, this is the comment to Standard Rule 1-3, it says an appraiser must avoid making an unsupported assumption or premise about market area trends, effective age, and remaining economic life. Now, hold that thought because we're going to come back to it. Unfortunately, USPAP doesn't give us any idea of what support is, could, or should be. Therefore, we have to figure it out for ourselves, so that way we'll know that our conclusions have or do not have support. So, for example, let's take a look. So, how does an appraiser omit an approach to value credibly as well as support that omission credibly? Let's talk about omitting the income approach. Now, most appraisers do, quite frankly, so uh, that, that's going to be common. The issue is not omitting the income approach. The issue is omitting the income approach persuasively and credibly so that it makes sense and it doesn't look like we just got lazy and left something out. Now, there are two problems to overcome with this omission. That the property owner does not currently rent the subject doesn't mean the income approach does not apply. All you need to do is stick a for lease sign in the front yard. It merely means that for whatever reason, the property owner chooses not to rent to a tenant, thus chooses to derive no rental income from the property. The second is that a statement in the report to this effect is not an explanation of the process by which you reach the conclusion you could omit the analytics of the income approach, yet still provide the client with a credible value conclusion and a non-misleading appraisal report. To make that statement but have no support for it and to fail to explain all that is misleading, something we typically want to avoid. So, how do you omit an approach, have credible market support for that omission, and then explain all that to the client in a persuasive and non-misleading manner? Remember, to omit an approach does not mean to omit it from analysis, unless it's utterly irrelevant like the cost approach for vacant land. It merely means to omit it from the report. There's a difference. Now, before you decide if you can omit the income approach, you must complete it first, frankly, at least on a quick and dirty basis. Assume this value indication comes in less than the sales comparison approach, which it typically does. Assuming you did the research on the gross monthly income in the GRM, this gives you two glimpses into the workings of the market you wouldn't otherwise have. So the income approach really is important in a sense. This first glimpse is that this approach did not tell you anything the sales comparison approach didn't already tell you. This is the market-supported reason to omit the income approach. It merely told you what you already knew. That's what you tell the client in the report. Now, consider this language for leaving out the income approach. Quote, 
Analysis of the subject via the income approach did not reveal anything the sales comparison approach did not already show. For this reason, it's not part of this report, nor does it merit any weight in the final value conclusion. All relevant income analytics are in the work file and here by reference, unquote. The second glimpse the income approach gives about the market has to do with highest and best use. This income approach typically comes in lower than the sales comparison approach. If it does, then it's clear the highest and best use of the improvements is not as an income property, but as your typical run-of-the-mill single-family residence. Include the results of this analysis in the highest and best use summary USPAP requires. This analytic alone supports the present improvements as the highest and best use as improved. How to explain this to the client? Let's go through that. Consider this statement, quote, A comparison of the sales comparison approach with the income approach shows the sales comparison approach to indicate a higher value. Therefore, the highest and best use of the subject is not as a rental income producing property. Therefore, the market supports the conclusion the present improvements are the highest and best use of the property as improved. One last issue that we need to bring up, USPAP does not directly connect unsupported with misleading. However, that connection is indirect. It is there, but it's indirect. In Standard Rule 2-3, we certify that all statements of fact in an appraisal report are both true and correct. To claim the site's present improvements are the highest and best use of the site as improved, but to do so without support is to claim something is true, but without support to show it's correct. And both must be there. As to any statement of fact, has to be both true and correct. To make any statement in an appraisal report, but omit its market support, is misleading. That is because the statement gives the client reason to conclude we can support that statement with market data. If we can't, then to make it is to mislead the client into thinking that we have that support. Now, for the sake of this podcast's brevity, these examples are slightly out of their typical context, but they do illustrate saying something without proper support. Here's a common statement in an appraisal report. Quote, because of the zoning, the subject's highest and best use is in its present use. The problem is, highest and best use has five components, and zoning is merely one of them. What market support is there to justify the elimination of the other four components? All five of them have to be there. Here's another one. Quote, even though the appraised value is 50% greater than the neighborhood's predominant value, the subject is not an over-improvement. Unquote. Now, this may be true, frankly, but we need to market support how we reach this conclusion and why the client should find it credible. It might simply be that all of the lesser expensive properties have sold and now the market is buying the more expensive ones. That's a perfectly legitimate explanation. Here's one. I don't make adjustments for GLA differences of less than 100 square feet. Okay, how would we adjust for a GLA difference of 101 square feet? Why? How do we market support that distinction? Now, in another podcast, we'll talk about the fact that that might be the proper step to take, frankly. But the point is, you don't just make the statement. You have to market support the statement. You have to explain why and how you reach that conclusion. So what does this all mean? Really, it's straightforward. When you make a statement of fact in an appraisal report, 
be prepared to show your market support for that statement of fact. In the report, be prepared not merely to state, but to explain persuasively how and why you reach the conclusions behind any and all statements of fact. Really, it's no more complicated than that. This is Tim Anderson. Thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it. It's always an honor to sit down with you for these podcasts. If I can ever be of service to you, please get in touch with me, Tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. It'll be an honor to work with you, and it'll be a pleasure to know you. Please let me extend my best to you and your family. And we're clear. Oh, no, we're not. I forgot. I'm sorry. Are your professional fees professional enough? <laughs>